Welcome to the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast, hosted by myself, Sebastian Bates, and Timothy Fair-Matthews. A podcast made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. We're launching our podcast with a series of raw but real interviews with some of the world's leading business mentors, industry experts, and entrepreneurs with incredible stories. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and entertain. So if it's your first time joining us, make sure you go back to episode one and don't miss a thing as you listen to incredible insights from our speakers. This is the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the F10X Academy. You are on the Round Pegs Square Hole podcast. My name is Timothy Fair-Matthews. And we have a very special guest here today. His name is Mohammed Murad of Dubai United Arab Emirates, and he is an entrepreneur and manages four companies. After a 20-year career in the Dubai Police Force, he retired as a lieutenant colonel in 2003. He has more than 27 years of experience as a director and CEO in the fields of the emergency medical services management, human resource development, and strategic planning, all in the government. Of Dubai. Wow, that's quite quite a quite a resume. Mohammed has extensive experience in quality systems, coaching, and leadership development with a multinational workforce in the private sector. He is an entrepreneur now, a consultant, and a trainer. And obviously, very fitting to be a part of this talk tonight because we have a lot of people that I'm sure are very eager to hear your thoughts and and how to be resilient um, with uh, with leadership in this time. So obviously, the topic tonight, guys, uh, Mohammed is the third part of our resilience series series and he's going to be talking about leadership and what you can do so mohammed absolutely lovely to have you on board how are you i'm pretty good and thank you for having me on board it's a pleasure. No, no worries it's, it's fantastic to have you so thank you so much so first of all wow that's quite a quite a story i mean i i, I mean obviously i've done a run through but i guess tell us how you ended up where you are it'd be nice to hear a little bit more detail about your time in the force and what what made you transition into the role you're doing now? Okay, so I'll, I'll start right from the beginning. Uh, my father was a police officer, and he, he was incidentally one of the first uh, police officer, graduate police officers uh, in the Dubai police force. He, he joined the, the police force in the 60s. Uh, okay. And as I was growing, uh, we used to actually live in the police headquarters. Uh, so I was exposed to different police officers, different uh, uh, experiences uh, with the police events and so on. And uh, as it goes, there was only one university at that time, Alain University in the UAE. Uh, and I joined the Alain University uh, in business administration. Uh, and uh, one day I hear where I was living. I was just living next to the uh, headquarters offices. Uh, I hear that there is a cadet cohort uh, that will be joining uh, in a few days. Uh, so I pick myself up and I go to uh, the assistant commander at that time. Uh, and I, I told him I want to uh, join the police force without even telling my father that I want to do that. And he said, okay, you come after uh, a few days uh, and we'll uh, let you join. Uh, and the rest was history. Uh, I joined the police academy, graduated, uh, then uh, 
exciting phases of, of the police that I was in because I worked in the criminal investigation, uh, first in the records and, and analysis, and then I went on the streets uh, working on crimes, then on drugs, and then in surveillance. Uh, and one day I find myself uh, with a, a telex message. Those days there were no faxes and, and no emails. Uh, I, those, I those, were, those were the days, huh? Those were the those, days. Those were the days. Very good days, if I may say so. Yeah. And the telex message said that you are transferred uh, to the emergency, to the ambulance department, which is the emergency medical services. Uh, right. And, yeah, I had no idea uh, what that was. Uh, but just like the military, you cannot say no. So I picked up my stuff and I went uh, to the ambulance department. They showed me this uh, beautiful office uh, with wooden furniture, uh, very big compared to what I was uh, sitting on uh, for just a few minutes a day because I was on the streets in the criminal investigation department. I say, this is your office. Uh, and as, as it goes, you know, human tendency is that you do not want to change. Uh, you know, and and, and I, I couldn't even sit on the office uh, at on the chair uh, for 10 consecutive minutes. Uh, I needed sure. to go around and then come back and sit. Uh, but things uh, changed in, in perspective into looking at what the ambulance department did because it was actually managing the emergency medical services for the whole city of Dubai uh, at that time. Now uh, it is what it is as the Dubai Ambulance Department. Uh, and the whole perspective changed into changing from following criminals one at a time into being responsible for the well-being and, and the rescuing of, of a whole city. Mm. Uh, so it was a fascinating change uh, from criminal investigation to emergency medical services. What, what, what uh, did you enjoy more? What did you enjoy uh, more? What was, what was uh, more rewarding to you? Yeah, I, I cannot say that it, one was more enjoyable than the other, uh, looking at it from where I am right now. Probably when I was in the criminal investigation and went into emergency medical services, I would have said I enjoyed uh, the criminal investigation better. Right. But the satisfaction that I had was much more in the emergency medical services than it was in the criminal investigation. Uh, and there are no regrets. So I enjoyed both of them equally uh, when I was doing the job. Amazing. So how, how on earth did you transition then from this to where you are now? Mm -hmm. uh, those days, uh, there was no pension uh, in the UAE and uh, within the police force. If you completed 20 years of service, uh, you could ask for voluntary retirement. Uh, and this is what I did. I, two months before I finished 20 years of service, uh, I said I have done a lot. I have uh, achieved uh, certain ranks. Uh, so it, it, it's time for change. Yeah. Uh, and I asked for voluntary retirement. I was rejected the first time. Uh, a second time, a month later, rejected again. And the third time, I, I actually literally went to the headquarters and, and said, I need to be released. I need to look for yes. another enough opportunity. Enough. 
Alas. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I, I, they gave me uh, the retirement. And at that time, basically, I had no savings uh, because UAE nationals were uh, known for buying good cars and, and uh, luxury items, but never looked at the savings. I, I think it's changed uh, right now. But at that time, that is what I had. I had no savings. Uh, and I was on the lookout for what is good, what doesn't have barriers to entries as a business. And as it turned out, uh, events uh, was a lucrative business at that time. And there were not many players on the niche market uh, there. Uh, so we started uh, a company uh, for event decoration and, and basically weddings. Now, imagine a police officer uh, going and decorating uh, weddings. It, it, it's a total change in mindset. Uh, but I believe the discipline that I learned in the police, uh, that my master's degrees, because I actually finished two master's degrees as I, I was working for the police. Uh, I think my master's uh, helped a lot into establishing the structure of the business in the beginning. And we worked on it uh, step by step. Uh, my wife is, is my partner, by the way, uh, in the business. And I think that helped a lot because she's the creative person uh, and I am the managing person coming from the police and, and the discipline behind it. Uh, we started pretty small. We started with three people. Uh, and now we have something uh, around 25 people. And we are among probably the best three wedding decorators in, in the whole region, the whole Gulf. Wow. Okay. We, we do weddings uh, all over the Gulf. And, we've had and is, is this, is this uh, Arabic weddings or Indian weddings or Western weddings? Is it a mixture? We, we, we have the whole spectrum. We've done Indian weddings. We've done Lebanese weddings, Iranian weddings. Uh, but the majority, uh, we actually concentrate on UAE's uh, nationals uh, mm -hmm. because they are the bigger Spenders, yeah. so we concentrate on them. Wow! So sounds you... very diverse. <laughs> very diverse. So, so you obviously the wedding business is still going. So this is one of the four. You have four companies, is that right? You have the wedding right. business, right? You have the you have the coaching. Yes, and I, we do have, along with my wife, also uh, a fashion brand. Okay. So it's it's evening wear and, and uh, couture couture dresses. Yep. Uh, we also uh, have uh, a beauty salon and spa, and I also manage uh, an industrial laundry uh, that has been going on since '73. Uh, that belonged to my father. He passed away, so I, I took the responsibility uh, to run that. Also. So it's basically probably five, not four. Uh, most of them have has to do with uh, women. Uh, because they are the bigger spenders, uh, and I, I think that that was a, a wise decision. I know. I can, sense, I can sense a theme, a theme happening here. I can sense a theme. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, whatever works, and, and you continue with it, I think uh, is is a winning game. Of course, of course. I mean, to be honest, what I mean, one of the I have lots of questions, but I think that my biggest one is how do you find the time? for all of this. It sounds uh -huh. an awful lot to yeah, well, stay on top of. Uh, that's a question I get all the time. 
Yeah, and the answer is is simple if you get the hang of it early. Uh, and the, the the answer is you have to learn to say no. Okay. Once you learn that, then you will have to couple it uh, with uh, the art of letting go, uh, delegation, uh, which is something which was really, really hard for me to get a grasp on in the beginning. Uh, being in the police and, and you know trusting other people to do it was not something that was easy for me. Uh, but once you get the grip of being able to say no to certain things and set time aside doing other things and let other people whom you trust to do uh, specific tasks, then it will be easy. I mean, I think that's a problem with almost every business owner. I know letting go is one of the hardest things, learning how to delegate correctly, um, acting as a CEO. I mean, Sebastian, again, our co-founder, just drills this all the time that for you to be your the, the master of your own business, you have to know how to lead and let go so that other things can happen so you can focus on the big picture. And I don't think many of us do that. Um, I mean, you're, let's focus a little bit on the coaching side of things. So you, you work with a lot of entrepreneurs. Is it globally or mainly focused locally? It's locally. Uh, I've, we were talking about time and I yes, so, don't have the time to uh, put aside for, for uh, too many coaching sessions. So I pick and choose uh, and it's local. No, no problem. So, I mean... I guess it's a, do, do you see that trend across your clients that you currently coach? I mean, do you find a lot of people struggle with this? Is that probably one of the biggest problems, do you think? Yes, I, uh, I believe it's, uh, it's, it's a universal problem. Uh, in the beginning, specifically in the beginning stages of, of uh, people going on into entrepreneurship, uh, they get used to doing things themselves. Uh, and as, as the business grows, I think it's, it's difficult for them to understand that there might be capable people who can do the job and not do it exactly like they would do it. Uh, they look for people who are exactly like them. And in leadership, there is no two leadership styles which are the same. I think if, if people get that, get a grasp on that, then they will be able to uh, easily uh, manage or lead uh, in an easy way and lead the management for, for others. Uh, but I, I have still uh, my wife to convince that that is uh, the way forward because she is one of those people who want to grab onto things and, and creative people do that. Uh, and that's fine because, uh, you know, it, it's, probably the other side which needs uh, management more than the creative side. No, of course. I mean, it's, it's something, it's something I think we can all, uh, can all uh, kind of sympathize with. I mean, it kind of makes it a little bit easy for you as well, if you're acting as uh, the owner of these, that if you don't know anything about beauty salon in respect of actually doing the work, it's easier for you to think macro with it. Um, there's actually a lot of people I know that our owners of businesses on they know nothing how the trade works and in a way it kind of works to your advantage doesn't it because you're not 
you're not swept up in that clash between working in the business or working on the business. And not enough people work on the business, do they? They work in it. And they forget that when their head's down and they're working on something that they've been paid to do, they're not making any money elsewhere. There's no scaling. There's no there's no growth. It's just it's just an income generating task, which is fine. But everyone has that line, don't they? And I think one of the biggest things we've noticed is that not many people were weathered to be okay during this pandemic. I, I mean, we we've been, you know, round the clock busy speaking to entrepreneurs left, right, and center. I'm sure you have as well. Um, and I don't think, I, don't, I mean, to be fair to everyone, I don't think anyone is is normally weathered and prepared for a pandemic. I mean, a lockdown is quite extreme. Right. Um, but I mean, I'm talking about things like cash buffers and mitigating your risk by having your revenue spread in multiple places or having assets and processes in place that means that if people need to be replaced, need to be replaced easy, you're not then swept up doing the work and you can easily swap someone. It's the, this sort of things that I think not many people have realized the importance of. Would you agree with that? Uh, absolutely. And, and probably I'll, I'll uh, give you an example from, from my experience. Uh, there was a, an insurance person who had come to me uh, and then was talking about insuring the business and insuring uh, the loss of, of uh, key people and so on. Uh, in the beginning, uh, you know, I thought, what is he talking about? Uh, nothing's going to happen to the business and, and it's, it's going to sail through without any problems and so on. Uh, and I, I didn't take the insurance at that time. But when COVID hit, uh, I realized that it's, although, you know, we have diverse businesses and some of them will take care of, of the others and so on. They never say that business is not going to go down. Uh, and, and you need to take measures. For example, we are looking at uh, closing one of the businesses that we have. It's been going on for 30 years now. Uh, but it's time that we pull the plug on it because you don't get attached to the business. And this is something that I would like to advise the new entrepreneurs to do is, is never get attached to the business. Uh, business that's, that's is there. That's so hard to do though. How do you not do, how do you do that? It, it takes a lot of um, self-discipline and it takes a lot of uh, looking at what could be in the future rather than looking at what had happened uh, in the past. Because if, if one of the businesses is draining, uh, probably it's only one business that you have. Uh, yeah. Then looking at future uh, results, probably six months, uh, a year ahead, uh, and you realize that it is not going to sustain uh, if you attach to it, then there is no one else uh, who could take responsibility except yourself. It, it takes uh, a reality check, if I may say so. No, no, if you do reality good. checks all the way through from the time that you start the business till the time uh, that you're ready to sell it, hopefully, uh, or 
give it away for someone to run it when you're retiring, then it's it's going to be much easier. We had we had a talk the other day with this um, confidence coach called Nancy Haynes, mm. and um, she explained that a lot of people that she's finding at the minute are having this identity crisis because a lot of people are having their businesses almost stripped away from them. Um, just due to the fact they just weren't prepared for this pandemic. And <clears throat> it ties in very much with what you've just said. It, it's people get so close to this business, it becomes them, doesn't it? And in a way, it's almost like, a, I guess, a relationship. I mean, like a healthy relationship doesn't mean that you absorb and you become one person. You're still very much your own entities, but you just work well together. And I guess it's the same with a business. I mean, it should never consume you to that kind of level because otherwise it's just you're putting all your eggs in one basket. So I see I see how that's I see how, how that can be an easy trap. But I mean for me, like my I love my business as everything and, and my whole team are, are my everything and I, I can't imagine doing anything else. But so so do you do you recommend that it's worth almost splitting the focus a little bit and building something alongside? I mean, what little exercises do you think people can make now to ensure that they don't fall into this trap where they're too connected, I guess. Like from a from a from a macro perspective, of course. How how well, what you know, I have learned the hard way that uh, there has to be this this balance uh, yeah. between uh, business and savings. Uh, that's one very important thing that uh, a lot of entrepreneurs don't do. Uh, I, I, you know, I encourage people that could diversify uh, and have different uh, businesses, uh, but that's not always possible for, for many of, of the entrepreneurs. Yeah. Uh, so if you have the business, uh, it's important to balance it with kind of a kind of savings uh, and insurance, uh, business insurance, which is widely available right now in, in all the big companies. Uh, and the fact uh, that you have to be ready uh, to face challenges when they come uh, your way. Uh, for instance, in 2008, uh, we had a tough time. And it wasn't actually 2008. 2008, we, we were okay. Uh, but 2010, when, when uh, the recession uh, started being realized in, in a bigger way, at least for our uh, clientele, uh, then it, it hit us very hard. And we need to have to make a decision to lower expenses uh, and, and look at uh, a different level of clientele because we are we aim at very high niche. Uh, we need to lower our standards in order to survive, uh, and that's what we did. So you need to compromise. There, there is no way a business is not going to come across challenges. So you need to be equipped, both both personally. And uh, in business process uh, terms, but personally, it will be uh, much more important than than the business because when when you can think uh, proactively and and you are equipped to face challenges mentally, uh, that is when the businesses are going to uh, get reflected upon in whatever actions that you take. So true. We just had a comment here. I think it's very appropriate. You must take a step back and see forests from the trees. It's so true. People need to keep that macro perspective in mind at all times. 
a good Absolutely. leader would never. I mean, is, yeah. is it natural for leaders to slip up? I mean, do you have to be, you know, on point all the time? Is that possible? If you're conscious enough, uh, yeah. and I think it 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 needs to be periodic. Uh, so within within your uh, monthly or or quarterly cycle, if you actually plan to set aside some time and and reflect, or, or I call it the helicopter view, uh, where you leave everything that you are doing and, and just go away from it and see what's happening. Uh, it's it's going to open a lot of uh, avenues of how could businesses be run better and set the time uh, for reflection. Uh, I think COVID has made it very apparent, at least for me and, and some of my clients, uh, that meditation plays a very big role uh, because meditation is is uh, a tool for you to have this uh, macro view uh, and in fact just leave everything and attend to yourself so that you can think clearly and once you do that then you can go back to the business and uh, things are going to be much easier if you do so no so true We've just got a little comment here from Shivani, um, literally just about what, what you were just saying just now. Do you think bad times make us realize what we don't need and actually become more efficient? I mean, I think so. Well, uh, yeah, if you look at my LinkedIn uh, posts uh, and um, my Facebook posts, there are two posts so far and there will be a couple more uh, that talk about uh, thanking COVID. Uh, because it has helped us realize so many things uh, personally uh, and in terms of, of this whole world and what's the structure and, and what's possible and, and what's not. Uh, so yeah. basically, I, I look at COVID. Uh, I didn't in the beginning, by the way, but right now I look at, uh, look at it as a friend, uh, not an enemy. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, 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 it's so fascinating. Uh, that you will be able to learn to deal with the pandemic in a much more efficient way if you have the shift of perspective. No, it's so true. I mean, it, again, it's all perspective. I think if your perspective's right, everything will follow, isn't it? I mean, Absolutely. It's, uh, yeah. It's all about resilience. Uh, we just got to speak of resilience. We've got James Matthews here. He says, how do you find your leadership resilience has changed? During the last few months, has it changed, or do you think do you think it's adjusted? Do you think leadership techniques have changed since COVID? Uh, I don't believe it has changed. I believe it has been enhanced. Uh, so, it, uh, and again, it, it goes back to uh, seeing if you had good enough leadership skills before uh, to run the normal way. Uh, and then polish them in order to be able to deal with challenges. Uh, And I believe my leadership skills uh, have been enhanced uh, into understanding uh, my skill levels and whether they need to uh, be developed or I need to actually add on uh, a few other skills that I have left a long time ago. And I'll, I'll uh, share with you. Uh, I, I, use, I trade uh, options 
I have been trading options for 20 years now. Mm. Uh, and somewhere along the way, uh, the businesses took over uh, and I no more traded uh, options. Uh, COVID has brought back, back that skill and I have actually taken uh, two courses uh, just to remind myself of, of the basics and, and, and what is new. Uh, I believe I'm going to uh, trade options from now on without stopping. Wow. What, what material do you think? I mean, is there material out there you think most business owners can consume right now that will help their leadership skills? Has there been anything that you've consumed that you can recommend? My, my perspective on leadership is that leadership is very personal. Uh, and, and different people have different styles. Uh, so my advice would be is, is do not uh, get bound by, uh, by recommendations of certain people uh, to look up what works for you. Uh, I would urge people to go and, and find out. There are many free seminars that happen. There are many uh, beginner or foundation seminars uh, that happen. I, I think you should go out and find it, and it's available amply now. Uh, and then see what connects with you, because that is what you can work on and build upon. Uh, not the recommendation of, of someone like me, because I have my own style, I have my own uh, perspectives of what I have to look for. Uh, but I do recommend for people who have not taken uh, NLP, uh, it, it's a foundation skill that any entrepreneur will need to go through for better leadership experience. Uh, NLP is one. And then, uh, of course, it's uh, uh, leadership. Uh, and I'm, I'm a member of Toastmasters, which is a nonprofit organization. I think communication and leaderships are, are very important. Uh, now, more than any time, other time, because it's, it's online, therefore, you need to get used to it. Uh, so if you join Toastmasters and you look at enhancing your communication and leadership skills. Uh, it is going to change perspectives and this, the way that uh, you deal with people and you, the way that you listen, which is very important, by the way. Uh, listening is a skill that we undermine and we don't pay attention or give it enough time. Uh, listening, if you listen more than you, you talk, uh, it's going to open up different frontiers for you. It's why we have two of them, right? One of these. Absolutely. So um, we've got, got another cool question here from Patrick. So Patrick says, what would you say are the five key qualities and attributes a great business leader must have or should improve on? Uh -huh. uh, the number five has come up here. Uh, and uh, I have a leadership theory for which I'm writing a book. Uh, God okay. knows when it will come out, <laughs> like many people who write books. Uh, but I, I actually teach uh, leadership through these uh, five 
elements and I call them the five H's of, of leadership. It's, it's almost like you planned this comment to be here. Do you know, Patrick? Well, maybe, yeah, maybe I, I paid Patrick to actually. <laughs> yeah, you did. Well done, Patrick. You've done your job, mate. You can go now. Cheers, mate. <laughs> so, okay, uh, so five quality. What are these five qualities? Tell me. What yeah, are these? So it, it's the five edges uh, of leadership, and it starts with with the head. Okay. Uh, so, oh. you know, there, there are uh, a couple of elements in the head uh, that will need to uh, we will need to start with in order to start our leadership journey. And the first one that uh, is there is. Knowledge. Okay. So acquire as much knowledge as you can. Uh, there will be times in the beginning of the journey that you will need to have focused knowledge, uh, but it pays for you to have a wide variety of knowledge streams uh, that might relate to your industry and sometimes even not relating to your industry uh, that will come into play uh, in the future. So knowledge. And at the same time, we have ears in, in our uh, heads. Uh, and within the inner ear, we have a balancing uh, element. So it's important for us to balance uh, the intake of knowledge in order for us uh, to obtain uh, a fair amount uh, with uh, certain standards. So head. The okay. second age is heart. And, and heart is all about taking risk, but calculated risk. There are many people who say, if, if you don't take risk, you're not go, never going to succeed. Uh, well, you will not succeed if you take risks without calculations. So it's important for us to take calculated risk. That comes from the heart. But the other element from the heart is empathy. Because once you start taking risks, it's, it's, it's very possible that you step on other people's uh, lives and other people's career. If you don't couple it with empathy, uh, it is uh, not going to be as efficient leadership as you would want. But it's also okay. not ethical. And at the end of the day, what we all do in this for, I know we are all here to make money, but we're here to enjoy life, aren't we? Um, and make a difference and an impact. And, and if you don't have, I mean, if anything, that's a massive one, isn't it? Heart, heart's a huge Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Uh, so head, heart, uh, and the, in the middle of the five edges is health. Uh, and probably this is something that is under uh, mentioned, underestimated, undermined uh, within any leadership theory that it, it is. Uh, but it is specifically put in the middle because it, it has to be the core of whatever leadership journey we have. And, and whenever I talk about health, it is both uh, head health, mental health, and heart health, which is physical health. So it's important for us to balance these two in order to obtain resilience. Mm. And the next edge is uh, humility. Uh, and, and probably within my journey, uh, within the police, managing uh, around a thousand people and then growing as an entrepreneur and, and being responsible for the income of, of so many people. It's important to know that no one can achieve anything on their own. 
And it, it's important to know that you are part of a whole community. You are part of, of a whole system. Yep. Uh, you are not alone and you are not above anyone. So it's important for us to have uh, humility, be humble, uh, in order to be perceived as good leaders. And the final H is uh, happiness. Because I believe any leadership journey uh, is about finding happiness. But the important thing is that happiness is, is not an end result. Happiness is the journey. And if we understand that, it is going to be such an enjoyable leadership journey that you will not need to think about anything else except for pursuing happiness. And while doing that, there are so many things that are going to fall in place uh, while not forgetting uh, the other four riches, which are crucial that they continue being enhanced and they continue to be, uh, we need to be mindful of them as we go along because they all are going uh, in sync with each other. No, so, so Patrick, that's your five attributes. Wow, that was, that was an amazing answer. I think it's probably the best answer we've ever had on the show. Head, heart, health, humility, and happiness. There you go, Patrick. There's your five. <laughs> Got a little comment from uh, Morgan here. So I agree. I believe you can be a great leader and have empathy, leading by example, standing others, knowing their worth, being compassionate and showing you care, and all most importantly, recognizing appropriate hard work. Yeah, so true. true. A lot, of, a lot of people, I, I've, I've found that out. A lot of people don't always necessarily want, you know, stuff or money as a gesture of appreciation. Some people just prefer to be told, you know. Oh, yes. Recognition is, is, is huge in leadership. And if you recognize people uh, for what they do, and it's not necessarily that, you know, you give them prizes and, and you give them uh, things and so on. A small word makes a world of difference uh, in right. so many people. Although there might be people who get energized with physical rewards, and it's important for us to recognize uh, who wants what, uh, and then be fair to everyone, of course, at the end. True, true. Patrick Singh uh, got your answer, so thank you so much for that. Um, got another question here. So linking to people, I think this is a good one to go on to. Jared uh, Kotyad says, as a business leader, how do you handle disagreements with co-workers. I mean, culture is always something that, again, we were talking a bit about this with Nancy Haynes, because um, she's a specialist with this. And people are very different. And I guess it comes down to knowledge, isn't it? If you don't know your team well, it's very hard to kind of what the, understand what their values are and how everyone works. But I mean, it is tricky. I mean, I find culture very complex, very complex to get everyone happy, motivated, get the best out of them, you keep the respect, make sure that they're motivated. I mean, what can you share here? Well, uh, uh, again, I have a model of, uh, that I, I teach in teamwork. Uh, and uh, one of them, uh, it, it's like a puzzle, uh, puzzle uh, that has different pieces. And two of the puzzle pieces that I talk on in making teams more, work more efficiently uh, is to learn uh, to problem solve. Uh, and uh, resolve conflicts. Now, they are two distinct differences, uh, different elements that need to be understood 
separately and then co-join when we are dealing with team members. Uh, the, the thing is that problem solving is uh, process oriented. Conflict resolution is people oriented. Mm -hmm. And it's important that we understand uh, the dynamics of how both of them work with each other. Uh, my advice uh, would be if, if you are faced with uh, conflict resolution, uh, conflicts and, and problems, the problems arise and as a result of the problems, conflict resolution arises in, in this sequence. Now, how you deal with them is the opposite way. Because you need to resolve the conflict before you can solve the problem. Wow. If you don't so, uh, resolve the conflict, the problem is going to continue because there will be clashes and no one will focus on the problem. So it's important for us to have uh, means and tools to uh, detect conflicts when they arise and detect uh, problems when they arise within the processes and devise a, a balanced way to deal with both of them uh, in order to keep everyone motivated and happy. Yeah. People, it seems obvious when you say it. it seems obvious. But yeah, well, this is basically keeping teams together and, and making them most efficient is the most difficult thing in leadership, I know. Uh, and I'm not saying it's easy. Uh, I'm saying that there are certain tools and, and practices that could come into play uh, in order to make the teams work more efficiently. That's good. Morgan's just come back and said, do you believe that some people are born leaders or is it something you can practice and learn? I mean, I don't know. That's a, that's a nature versus nurture question, isn't it? I mean, you could talk about this all night. What right. do you think? Well, um, in, in Toastmasters, uh, our slogan, uh, tagline, is where leaders are made. Uh, but to answer that is, is the fact that everyone is born a leader. Everyone is born a leader. Wow. But whether they practice leadership and whether they become good leaders is an answer to they are made through their experiences. So if, unless you develop the skills, unless you polish the skills and, and be active in developing uh, leadership styles and, and uh, leadership experience, being born as a leader is never going to be of a benefit for everyone, anyone. So they are born, but unless they are polished, uh, they, they are born, but they need to be made into efficient leaders. Just being a leader is not good enough. True. Well, I, I guess it's anything, isn't it? I mean, everyone, everyone is talented, and and everyone has a strong head on them, and everyone can. I mean, we've got we've got a wealth of information available to us now on the internet. It's not like it was a hundred years ago on the last pandemic. We can learn and leverage this and find ways to make it work. And if you want to become a good leader, I'm sure there's a lot of material. And there's people like you. You know, there's now this. There's now this sort of communication. So, there's a, where there's a will, there's a way, isn't there? Well, there's a world right. Way. So, uh, a point point of caution here. Uh, you know, we could we could go and and read the 
all the books that are available in Amazon. And if you click leadership in Amazon, you will get hundreds of thousands of, of books that are, are written yeah. about leadership. Uh, yeah. We won't be able to finish all uh, in our lifetime, and you don't need to. So my advice is that it's good to look at the spectrum of leadership theories that are available, uh, but do not copy leadership styles from anyone, whether they are the biggest gurus or, or the smallest writers, because that is their experience in leadership. And, and you, uh, would, as someone who has gone through your own life, where no one else has gone through your, your, uh, your story, uh, you cannot mimic their leadership uh, styles and, and deals. Look at what is out there, pick whatever suits you, and create your own leadership theory, create your own leadership style. Uh, that is what is going to make you successful. Well, good, good, good tip. Good tip. I guess it's just like taking advice from anyone, isn't it? You don't want to follow everything to the T. You want to find your own journey, but you want to use it as inspiration, I guess, Absolutely. and find your groove. Yeah, it's so true. Uh, another great question here. What advice can you give to an entrepreneur and business owner to successfully lead and inspire their team through the current economic challenges? I think inspire is quite, you know, I think for me it stands out as the most prominent point there mm. um, because keeping your team inspired when you're apart is hard is right. very hard um where, where would you what would you say to this uh, you need to start with yourself uh, it's, it's very important uh, mindset uh, positivity and outlook okay mindset positivity outlook okay yes you need to start with yourself and, and you need to walk the talk. And, and once you do that, uh, you need to look at what's coming for, uh, forward. And, and here, I think uh, communication plays a very big role. And one of the puzzle pieces that I have in, in my uh, team uh, enhancement model is communication. Uh, frequency and focus of communication makes a big difference into how uh, teams perceive things and, and how they work. So communicate with them frequently, let them know what are the future goals and, and, and be able to be focused into letting them know that things are, are becoming better if they are becoming better and be realistic enough that if things are not going as well, you need to be frank with them also. So don't, don't this whitewash uh, things just to inspire them. Uh, there are times that we need to face reality uh, and you need to have your team with you. Wow. Yeah, that's true. Amazing. Yeah. Keeping up communication. I think a lot of people just get so caught up again what they're doing. I think they forget that communication and just keeping, trans keeping your team transparent is a big one. Great answer there. A similar question, but I think worth sharing anyway. Current scenario has put us in challenging situations. Uh, we are unable to pay our teams in full and all working from home. How can an entrepreneur or leader push his team to work harder? Well, again, it goes, I guess, goes back to communication and doing what you just said. But how, I mean, yeah, how can you get the best out of your team in such situations like this? It is very hard. Well, 
again, uh, you know, this is what I said. It, it, the current situation depends on what had happened in normal uh, business days. Uh, because if you had the trust of your, your employees, you were recognized in them, uh, you had been communicating with them properly beforehand, uh, then they will give you the trust and, and believe you and be able to cooperate with you when the challenge is there and, and look forward uh, to what will happen after that. And they will be cooperative. For instance, myself, uh, I slashed salaries uh, to 50%. Uh, and, and now probably it's going to go uh, to have compulsory leave uh, for them and there's gonna, going to be uh, uh, leave without pay if if the situation persists. But there is not one single person from my employees who came to me and said uh, this should not happen. Uh, simply because it, it, I did it gradually and I, once the pandemic hit and the lockdown was there, I didn't go down to 50% right away. I gave them full salary for 15 days. And then it went back down to 70 and then to say to 50%. So it's, it's gradual and I kept on communicating with them that I appreciate that you cooperating with us and this is what is going to happen if the, the business persists uh, to go down. And I assure them that no one is going to lose their jobs and no one has lost their jobs so far for me. That's great. Uh, well, yeah. That's amazing. I think, you know, Credit to you. You sound like you're a great leader yourself, and having the, the many businesses that you've had, uh, you that you're in control of. I mean, that's a lot. Twenty-five staff in total. You're saying, is that right? Well, no. In total, that's for the event management is twenty-five. In total, we have around seventy to eighty staff. Well, but I mean, I, I guess for me, it must your your time in the police must really must have helped you. Yeah. Would you say that? Would you say that you learned a lot and took away from what you were taught there in terms of your leadership skills? Or is this something you developed? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, you know, both parts of, of my police career, career, criminal investigation and emergency medical services, uh, taught me a lot of how to work under pressure. Yeah. Uh, it's always different things happening. It's, it's never the same thing. Uh, so it, helped, it has helped me in, in building resilience. It has helped me into understanding the mentality of people, of how they think under pressure, uh, when they are faced with challenges. Uh, and of course, the whole wisdom of the people that I have been working with. Uh, mentorship is something that uh, is is very much appreciated from me because I have learned a lot uh, from my superiors, how they dealt with situations, how they dealt with the people they are. So we are always learning. Uh, and if, if we find something that is good, we replicate it, we implement it ourselves, and that's how our success comes. There we go. Well, someone just said, how do you... Um... How do you measure success? So there you go. You just answer it. That's how success comes. I guess. I guess also the, the, the success. I can, I guess can depend also on the person. I mean, it depends on what you want to achieve, isn't it? 
with your um, your team and your business? I mean, what what's the goal you're aiming for? I mean, you yeah. can be successful from day one, I guess, can't you? I mean, success is happiness, isn't it? Well, yeah, basically, it's, it's what do you define success as? Uh, is success for you to make more money as a business or is success for you uh, to be happy? Uh, and, and happiness has got so many different for me. It, it's uh, making my employees happy. You know, if you are in charge of, of uh, employing 80 people, uh, then you are feeding 80 families. Uh, and yeah, well, yeah, you should that's that. happiness for you. Uh, see, the, one of the most important things that I always uh, say is that never let greed uh, come into business. And, and probably this is one of the reasons why we have been successful into maintaining businesses because we have never grown uh, faster than what, what we should. Uh, there are other uh, peers of ours that have gone out of proportion when the times were, were good uh, and they are, they are facing a lot of problems now. So greed should not be an aspect of success because that's what success uh, promotes if we are not careful in people uh, it brings up greed and if it, it comes out then uh, success is going further and further from uh, this business and this person so true I've got Sajid Mogul here from the UK um, because I guess we're much luckier here with furlough payments so in the UK they're doing furlough payments for the staff but it's been super important to keep staff feeling supported during this period. So, yeah, I mean, we've got to remember the world. It's this, I mean, someone said to me a really nice quote the other day. It's, it's the same storm, different boat. I mean, everyone's in it at the minute. It doesn't matter who you are. Absolutely. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't yeah, matter where you are. An A-list celebrity, whether you're the queen, you know, Sheikh Mohammed, whether you're a, a, a pauper in, you know, in a, in a third world country, whether you're, you know, anyone, I think all of us are being so drastically affected by this. It's a, uh, and probably this is one of the blessings of, of COVID is that it has brought everyone on a plane level, whether it's, it's, it's countries or uh, world readers or even a, a street cleaner. Everyone is on the same level. And it's important for us to understand that we are going to go through this. But how we are going to go through this is, is by pulling together and working together, there's no other way. So true. Yeah, we had. I think we ended another talk not so long ago. And if you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if, it's all about going far, isn't it? That's Absolutely. the whole point. So, point. Thank you, so. I think we're going to have to end the talk there because I know we're nearly nearly at our hour. But some amazing takeaways there. Thank you so much, Mohammed, for sharing all that. I mean, for me, you know, the mindset, you know, the positivity, the outlook, you know, is a big takeaway for me. The five H's. Um, head, heart, health, humility, and happiness. That's an amazing one. Certainly going to be following you a lot more um, with all your posts and what you do. If people want to stay in touch, and um, I know you're in the academy, guys, so anyone who has any questions, feel free to tag Mohammed in later. I'm sure he won't mind responding if you're watching this Absolutely. video later on. But um, how can they get in touch with you, Mohammed, if they want to see you uh, and speak to you later outside of the group? Right, so um, I'm available on LinkedIn. Uh, Ahmed Murad is, is the name. Twitter is the same name. Uh, 
uh, and my email is muhammad uh, at muhammadmurad.com uh, so any any of these means i'm available in all the social uh, social media so you can look me up what i always say is that if i'm not googleable then i'm not worth knowing so if you google <laughs> me and you find me then probably it's, it's worthwhile for you to know there you go guys if you want to get in touch with mohammed just google him there we go <laughs> amazing Ahmed, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You, you've given us so much value and I hope you have an amazing evening and we look forward to having you back sometime soon. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and thank, thank you everyone who has been there and actively participated. I hope to stay in touch with you in the future. Take care, guys. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to be the first to get access to our live interviews, then head over to f10x.com to apply to be a part of our online community.